This is Steady Habits, the podcast that takes a look at how life works in the land of steady habits, how it doesn't work, and how we can make it work just a little bit better. I'm John Dankosky. Thanks very much for joining us. This week, we're going to take a look at a looming crisis. Affordable housing, as we have detailed, is already out of reach for many of our residents. But the COVID shutdown has made that problem much worse. Back in June, which seems like a long time ago right now, 140,000 Connecticut residents, most of them people of color, said they had no confidence that they could make next month's rent. Despite an eviction moratorium that has been extended in the state until the end of August, housing advocates are worried that thousands could be forced out of their homes because they can't afford to pay their current rent or the back rent that they owe. And that's just one of the deadlines that's looming. The other is at the end of this month, when the unemployment insurance that's been paid by the federal government goes away. That's been paying people who've lost their jobs an extra $600 per paycheck. Federal lawmakers are working on an extension of those benefits, but it's pretty likely that the next round will not be so generous. Connecticut's Governor Ned Lamond is among those who is calling for the benefits to end, saying that they discourage work by paying people more to be unemployed than their jobs were paying them. Last week, he walked that opposition back a bit, saying he was talking about the specific amount of the benefit. His housing commissioner, though, Salem Mosquera Bruno, sees how that insurance has helped people. Her department rolled out a rental relief program last week that requires tenants to apply for assistance, assistance that will ultimately go to their landlords. Housing advocates say that this system is putting too much strain on already stressed tenants and that the amount of money that Connecticut is allocating, about $10 million, that's $4,000 per household, is far short of what's needed. We're going to hear more about that from a housing advocate in just a minute. But first, Commissioner Mosquero Bruno tells me that we as a state sometimes don't appreciate how hard it is for people, especially those working in minimum wage jobs, to make their rent during a crisis. Commissioner, welcome to Steady Habits. Thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. I have heard from a number of experts and reporters that there is a, a looming eviction crisis in America. Do you see it that way? Yes, we have a big issue and um, not to expect anything less from this um, pandemic. A lot of people not working, um, a lot of people still not working. Some of them have uh, small businesses for phase three that have not been able to go back to work. And um, although there is the unemployment benefits, it has been the federal benefits, we need to, to make sure that some of those other residents that don't have any income do not get evicted. Are there specific places in the state where we're seeing bigger problems than others? What, what are the big problems you're seeing? Some people say, no, because of the extra $600 from the federal government, uh, people have enough. Uh, some people have chosen not to pay the rent because they thought that the moratorium was not to pay rent. But the moratorium was actually to help people to catch up from those checks of unemployment that weren't coming as quick as um, they, they were supposed to come out. Uh, some other people are not, wor- they were sick, they lost family members, they couldn't go to work, and they might not even um, apply for unemployment just because of their um, their issues that they had. So, so we, we have to, we are balancing that out to see what is the real issue 
we're going to start rent relief that the state is going to um, launch. And it's because we have them. Some people say, yes, we need, we have a lot of people that need help. Uh, some other people say, well, you know, we're getting all this extra money. Um, and I don't actually, we don't want to go to work because we're making more money than what we were making before. So, but there is something in the middle that the people will need to have some relief. Uh, and we're trying to address those issues. Yeah, I do want to get to some of the specific things that the state is doing to address those issues for for renters and for landlords and for others. But you've mentioned now a few times the $600 unemployment insurance. And, you know, the governor, your boss, came out and said he doesn't think that it needs to be extended past the end of July because of exactly what you just said. People maybe won't want to go back to work because they were making more money on unemployment than they were making before. A lot of people who are looking at the problems that we have in front of us say the economy is not opening up fully. There's so much uncertainty as to whether or not we're going to have to shut down with the rest of the the country, seeing all these flare-ups. And so many people are just barely on the edge of being able to make it work. I guess I should ask you, Commissioner, from where you sit, should we be extending these unemployment benefits beyond July 31st? I think so. Um, it's not like, let's not generalize. As I mentioned before, some people are having the, those resources and don't want to go to work, but some others are not because people that are with uh, the minimum wages, uh, they still have to pay whatever rents they have and whatever expenses they have. We still, they still have to eat and have all these other expenses. Have you talked to your boss about how you feel about it? We haven't had a conversation. Um, is something that I have been hearing, as I mentioned to you before. Some people have said to me, yeah, we have, I, I, I have enough money, so I, I, I'm making more than what I was making when I was working hourly as an hourly employee. And we just say, wow. And then you have all the people that says, well, I didn't get that and I still cannot make it. So you have both and it, you can take both directions because yes, in a way you are preventing those people from going to work or they don't want to continue on. And then you have this other group of people. So that's what I'm saying. We're going to start with this rent relief to see how it goes, to see what the needs are. And we will have a better picture in a couple, after a couple of weeks that are in, and we're going to look at it and say, okay, this is working. This is not working. I guess I'm just wondering what it tells us about the marketplace if so many people are making more money on unemployment insurance than they were making in their jobs. What that says about our ability to provide good-paying jobs to people. I mean, that that really is striking, isn't it? It is. It is because um, minimum wages is not really helping. Uh, and we have many, many people, thousands of people that are in minimum wages. And we sometimes don't appreciate that, especially our people that are in serving industry. And we love to go to restaurants, right? And sometimes we don't think well that person that is serving us. And we always have to remember that. Maybe you can talk about some of the things that the state has done in the last couple of weeks to try to assist people. So the, the rent relief that we have, um, we will open up the uh, call center. And it's $10 million in CARES Act money. And it will be up to $4,000. We're going to start with tier one will be those people that did not or deny unemployment because you really didn't get anything. So you need to have some assistance. 
Uh, so they're going to be the for the first two weeks. We are going to be taking those calls, and we're going to be assisting those families with children that were not able to qualify for uh, benefits for unemployment. Then this, and up to 60% of the area median income. And then we have the second tier in the next couple of weeks, and those will be um, up to 60% of area median income. Everybody that didn't get uh, unemployment. And then after those two weeks, we will open it up to everybody up to 80% of area median income that needs some help. So we have partnered with Connecticut Housing Finance Authority and 11 um, housing counseling agencies that will be working with uh, the, rent, the uh, renters. And if um, a person qualifies for up to 4,000 within a 12 month period, we could, um, the checks will be issued to the landlord, not to the residents. So in terms of how you administer that program, I guess I'm, it's it sounds complex in that you have renters who are going to have a whole bunch of different conditions. Some of them are getting unemployment insurance. Some of them aren't. Uh, some of them need a lot of assistance. Some of them need much less. They're going to apply to you. And then after they make that application and you make the determination then the money is going to go to the landlords. Is there any separate line for the landlords themselves to reach out and say, look, I'm struggling right now because I've, I'm having a hard time renting all of my properties. I'm having a hard time making sure that people are, are paying, paying their rents. So they, they, we, we want to make sure that the relationship with land, between landlord and tenants is there. So the, the tenants is going to apply we want to work with the uh, housing counseling agencies and then uh, with the landlords. So it has to be a, it's a combination. I mean, for this pandemic, we do all need to work together. And as much as they need the assistance, the renters, the landlords also need the money to pay their bills. So if we can work together and try to make sure that people are not evicted and that they are in their apartments. Uh, we did a lot of work to decompress the shelters. So with the less the one thing that we don't need is to have more people in uh, in shelters. Hmm. So when you hear people say, we need to, for a certain amount of time, cancel rent, and we need to make it so that people don't have to pay rent for a certain amount of time, what? how do you hear that? I mean, what exactly does that mean to you? Uh, something that cannot happen. Uh, because we have to understand that you can't just cancel rents um, that are landlords that they do have to pay their mortgages. Uh, there are some small landlords uh, that, you know, they get a, a, a house, one or two houses, and they, that's how they maintain their family, too. That's kind of their business. And the small, uh, so you, you can uh, canceling rents. Imagine how many thousands of units do we have thousands of people that are not going to have jobs because landlords employ people that to do the maintenance to do the cleaning to do property management so we'll just increase the amount of people that will be out of a job and sometimes people do not think about that just canceling the rents and don't measure the impact that that is going to have in our economy and with everybody else around this situation. I think the one thing that has, has probably happened in America because of the pandemic uh, and then exacerbated by 
all of the events of the last few months after George Floyd's death is I think people are taking a much closer look at some of the systemic problems that we have across America and in a state like Connecticut too. And I guess I'm wondering from your position, what you think we've learned through all this that that is truly at the heart of the problems here? Because frankly, Commissioner, it's not really about getting some aid to people over the course of the next couple of months so that they can just squeak by or getting some aid to landlords so that they can continue to have a property. It feels like there's something broken in our housing system that we need to look to fix more holistically. And I'm sure that you agree. I'm just wondering how you've been thinking about that. So it is is a little bit, it's actually very complex because it's not only the um, supply of affordable housing. And some people say cheap housing, affordable is not cheap. Actually our affordable housing is actually pretty expensive because we do a lot of energy efficiency is is um, a housing that is affordable to families of all, all incomes. And, and that's what we need to build more. And we need to build, build more in the suburbs as well as uh, fix our cities because our cities need to do better. And it, but it doesn't come along. We have healthcare, we have education. So it's all of these things that have to work together and in collaboration and we were trying to, at the beginning, before the pandemic, trying to collaborate with the, um, the Department of Education, reaching out to employers, because we all have to work together. I mean, one agency cannot fix alone. I mean, no matter how many apartments or units we build, we need to have the system. And education is very important in jobs because without money, you cannot afford a rent. And even when you are at minimum wages and we provide affordable housing, sometimes you can't even afford an apartment with minimum wages. You have to have two jobs. So it, it is a is a approach that we all have to be really sympathetic and, and work together and be intentional about education, about programs for the kids to make sure that they get the support that they need in order to continue on and be successful. But 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 that's so interesting because there's so much that we are having to rethink. I mean, we don't know how kids are going to go back to school necessarily in the future. We don't know how people's jobs are going to be. So much of the way that we've set up our housing patterns are based on where we want our kids to go to school and where we work. But what if our kids go to school online and we work online? I mean, there's so much that we're having to rethink right now. And I guess I'm just wondering how you see this opportunity to maybe hit a reset button and say, this isn't a system that's working for anybody right here. Our affordable housing is too expensive. It's too concentrated in a few cities and not spread out to the suburbs. This gives us an opportunity to change something, I think. And it is actually, you are absolutely right. It gives us to, to pause and to say, what have, been we, do, what we, have we been doing um, in relate, relationship with all these issues? Um, and we are rethinking, even with shelters, right? How do we rethink shelters? Because you can have a lot of people in a congregate situation and we were able to move them to hotels so that are, they're protected while we find apartments. But everything is going to change. Do you believe that housing is a right? We should, because housing is a foundation, right? It's, it's a place where we all go 
we, we sleep, we get up, we go to work and we come back home. And we call it home, right? Because our kids, a, a warm place where you can actually be with your family. And we should all have a place to do, to call home. Mm. Commissioner, thank you very much for the time you've taken today uh, to talk with me on Steady Habits. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. That's Housing Commissioner Celo Mosquero Bruno. In a minute, we're going to hear from the Cancel Rent Coalition. But first, let me tell you, the Connecticut Mirror is free, and that's the way we think it should be. But it costs money to produce the most trusted reporting about public policy in Connecticut. Advertising that you see on the page only makes up about 10% of our revenue. So that leaves us a big hole. If you value the Connecticut Mirror, we invite you to help pay for it. And in return, we're going to give you some special benefits. We call these benefits membership. Yeah, membership, just like in public radio. Member benefits include special briefings, insights into the reporting process, and special access to some of our events, things that I host like Zoom and Brews or Ask the Mirror or coffee conversations. You can visit ctmirror.org donate to learn more about becoming a member today. And thanks so much. My next guest, Ashley Blunt, is deputy director of CT Corps and part of the Cancel Rent Coalition. Earlier, the housing commissioner told me that canceling rent was unrealistic, but Blunt says that it's necessary. And not to cancel rent later down the line, but to cancel rent right now. There's a temporary uh, eviction moratorium that's in place that just was extended. Um, however, once that timing is up, Tenants will still re be responsible for April, May, and June, July now rent. So that that is what we're calling for. We're calling for uh, rental relief to come down and for that to be the responsibility of the landlords to uh, receive that relief, um, which will indeed cancel the rent for the tenants. Right now, the state has rolled out a brand new program, I guess just this week, that is going to be mm -hmm. providing some of that rent relief, and it will be going to landlords. Is this close to doing what you're hoping the state would do? No, this is not anything close to what we were asking for. Uh, first, when we call for uh, the cancellation of rent, whatever relief comes from government, state, or federal or otherwise, that we are calling that be the responsibility of the landlord and not the tenant to receive those funds. Um, there's already so much pressure, so much onus, so much stress already on these tenants because they cannot pay their rent. Uh, so I've, what we're calling for is for whatever rental relief that comes down, that the landlords would have to uh, apply for that. And what we're already seeing from uh, some folks is that they're already having issues getting to and getting through the system. Um, it also calls for folks to to pay back rent. Um, repaying back rent will be very problematic and very hard for some people, especially folks who are losing that additional uh, $600, uh, but still not back at work or not making a living wage, or those who didn't even get the extra $600. The program eligibility also says that you currently have to be current on rent, which for a lot of folks, they're, they're already late. Um, so which means either it's paid in full or it's um, under some type of agreement with the landlord, um, which has not been easy 
for some folks to even uh, get to some sort of agreement or consensus with the landlord uh, because some folks are um, being subject to harassment from those landlords. So it's not even uh, a place where tenants and landlords are able to work with each other uh, because the tenant is nervous because they want to ensure they have somewhere to live and the landlord is upset because they want their rent paid. Um, also, not everyone who applies uh, will actually get rent assistance. The governor only provided $10 million. Again, Governor Lamont is giving out piecemeal programming that will not cover the full need of Connecticut residents. So, yeah, it sounds like there, there's a lot of issues in there. And I, I talked with the housing commissioner about some of those. It, it seem, seems like it's a very complex process, which is going to be very hard for, for people to navigate. You've got the onus on the renter as opposed to on the landlord. So those are two things yep. clearly that you'd want to change. Obviously, there's not yes. enough money put into the program in order to uh, cover all the people who are going to need some sort of assistance here. But I guess my question, Ashley, is is what is the limit of what you're talking about? Are you talking about canceling rent for all renters for a defined period of time and then landlords are able to go to the state? What is the qualification for that, that you're asking for if, if we were to change what the state is actually doing? So what we are calling for is to cancel all rent, period. Um, uh, until until when? That yeah, folks, uh, until when? Understanding, yeah, understanding folks who are not paying their rent currently is not because they don't want to pay their rent. Yeah. People want to be able to pay their rent. They want to have a safe place to live. Um, however, what happens within the system, those who are left most vulnerable, those who are unable to pay at this time, do not have the resources and most likely do not have access to the programs, to the things that they need to actually get the assistance they need. So in canceling all rent that would cover everyone without these piecemeal programs and those who are able to pay will pay. It's not that folks do not want to pay their rent. No one wants to put themselves in a situation where they, you know, put themselves in be in danger of being homeless. Like folks are honestly stressed out and it affects your mental health and wellness because you're worried about if this is going to be the date that my landlord kicks me out. Mm hmm. No, and, and I totally understand that. I guess the question I'm asking, though, is is how mm -hmm. long do you believe that this should go for? If we were to cancel rent now, mm -hmm. should this last throughout the length of this pandemic, whatever that is? Should it be for the next six months, the next year? Like, what's the time frame you're looking at? I, what we are calling for is to stop evictions and to cancel rent until uh, we are clear from this pandemic. So much has changed until folks are able to go back to work, until we are able to provide folks with the what they need to be safe. Um, I We believe that cancel rent is a thing. Um, and it needs to happen until uh, this state and the government figures out how we're going to go about our lives. For many landlords, this is their primary business. This is their source of income. And some of the landlords we're talking about are not, you know, wealthy out-of-state folks who own multiple properties. They maybe own a property or two. They mm -hmm. are going to be put into a very difficult situation if there's not the money available, whether through state or federal sources, 
to, to pay them. So what happens then? Like what happens if we, we end up with a bunch of landlords who then can't make their payments to banks? Why there's a focus on our part on the tenants is because in some of the cities, our most populated cities in New Haven and uh, Hartford and Bridgeport, the uh, percentage of renters is in the high 70s, opposed to there being 25 to 26 percent of those folks who actually are landlords and own property. Uh, so there, there is this push and pull with the landlords, but we are not calling for those landlords not to receive their rent. We are calling for the government, for our state, for Governor Lamont, for the housing commissioner to step up and make things better for uh, the tenants and for the landlords. Those funds that are coming down, that 10 million, those should be allocated to the landlords so they are able to cover and make those mortgage payments. We are just saying that those, that onus, that pressure should not be on the tenants. And you believe that that $10 million that we're talking about is nowhere near enough money. Do, do you have a price tag on what it would cost if we were to cover all the rents in Connecticut that we would have to cover? What uh, the numbers show is that we would need $150 million each month to stay housed. So that's a lot so of money. So that would be, uh, that is a lot of money, opposed to the one-time $10 million rental relief. If you don't mind me asking, where's that money coming from? Because that, that turns into, you know, if this goes a year, that turns into a, a, a ton, a ton of money. It, it does. And which is why there needs to be something figured out. Um, the the My thing is the opposition to that is, uh, a crisis, another crisis on our hands in the state of Connecticut. There were 600 evictions that were filed in those first few weeks of March until that executive order came down. And that's only in a few weeks. So imagine how those numbers have doubled, tripled, quadrupled at this point where folks are still unemployed. Mm -hmm. uh, our, our students are not going back to school. What would it look like for thousands of families to be out on our city streets. Ashley, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Ashley Blunt is Deputy Director of CT Corps and part of the Kensal Rent Coalition. You can read more coverage of housing and housing policy in the Connecticut Mirror at ctmirror.org. That's it for Steady Habits. Our Steady Beats are provided by George Mastrianis and Dave Swanson and recorded at Legend Studios in Avon, Connecticut. Our show is produced by Jessica Friedman. Thanks to Bruce Potterman, Beth Hamilton, and Kyle Constable. I'm John Dankosky, and we'll talk to you again soon.